Pritt and Spano, West Virginia's lawyers. Unexpected hurdle? Pritt and Spano. Unseen circumstance? Pritt and Spano. Personal injury, criminal law, flash wills, family law. You need a firm that will be with you through it all. Pritt and Spano. Their passionate team will employ their resources and unique perspectives to deliver the most effective representation. When you find yourself in need, turn to those who will fight for you. Pritt and Spano, West Virginia's lawyers. Find them at yourwvlawfirm.com. Last season, they might have been the best-kept secret in town. This season, the secret is out, and they haven't even played a regular season game yet. We're talking about WVU men's soccer entering one of its most anticipated seasons in program history, coming off one of its most successful campaigns ever in year three under Dan Stratford. Where can the Mountaineers go next? It's the Golden Blue Nation podcast brought to you by Pritt and Spano, West Virginia's lawyers, your WVLawfirm.com. I'm Nick Farrell, continuing our series of fall sports season previews. And we've landed on men's soccer. This week, opening against Robert Morris, Thursday night at home. Following that up, Monday, game number two, a colossal showdown between number six, West Virginia, and number seven, Pitt, on the road for the Mountaineers. It's a huge matchup. Might just be one of the biggest games anywhere in college soccer this season. But before we get too far ahead of ourselves, let's focus on the biggest stories of the offseason as we welcome in. Golden Blue Nation web manager, Sam Caniglio. Sam, a soccer guy at heart, just like me. Happy to have you here, buddy. Great to be back after a week. Uh, Women's soccer preview last week. We had a lot of fun. If you haven't listened to that yet, the women's soccer season, of course, is well underway now. You can check out our season preview pod wherever you get your shows. And if you found us here on GoldenBlueNation.com, perhaps make sure you subscribe to our show on Apple, Spotify, Google, or Amazon Music so that you never miss an episode. And leave us a rating if you like our soccer talk. We also do football stuff, and we're going to do more football stuff soon. This is not just a soccer (laughs) show, but it is for right now. So, Sam, the stage is set. The regular season opener coming up against Robert Morris Thursday night at Dick Delesque Soccer Stadium. It's the first season in the Sun Belt Conference for West Virginia, a historic season at that simply for that reason, but also because of the preseason expectations surrounding this team. So let's re- rewind one year. West Virginia opened with Robert Morris on the on the road in Moon, PA a season ago. You and I went to that game. I remember that it was extremely hot. And that Dion Dromer scored the opening goal off a set piece, believe it was a corner kick, followed by a Ciro Borlat-Yegi tally in the second half to make it a 2-0 West Virginia victory. That's coming from memory, by the way. I don't know if I have those stats exactly right. You're pretty close. Okay. You had the names right at the very least. Okay. So, that said, uh, that day when we were up in Moon, sweating our butts off, sitting out in the sun with no press box and no air conditioning, (laughs) could you have ever thought that West Virginia men's soccer would have had the rapid rise that it enjoyed last season? You know, rapid is the key word there because, you know, they were unranked in the national poll at that point. But what was it, three weeks later, they were number five? They, they went up as high as three in the United Soccer Coaches poll, right? Yeah, they, they, I don't think I've ever seen that in, in any sport. You know, I, we've seen teams jump into the teens from unranked depending on, um, you know, the wins they get. But you never see top five in, in the matter of just days. Um, 
meteoric rise, and, and they largely lived up to it. They had some speed bumps along the way, but, I mean, they proved that they were one of the top 10 teams in the country when they, when they ended in the Elite Eight of the NCAA tournament. So, yeah, that was, that was a fun season to watch, and, and painted a tar- target on their back. Let's just put it that way. Absolutely so, Sam. And so West Virginia will open again against the Colonials Thursday night, 7 p.m. at Dick Dulesque Soccer Stadium. Last year, unranked, as Sam mentioned, to begin the campaign. This year, ranked number six in the country. And after what's going to be a pretty challenging non-conference schedule that includes the likes of Pitt and Penn State and Yale and a trip to the West Coast to face Portland, among others, then it's Sunbelt Conference play, a new era for WVU men's soccer. It all begins September 16th at home against Coastal Carolina. And then the following weekend, a huge one. West Virginia taking on Marshall in Huntington for the second season in a row. But this time, for the first time, those two teams will be conference rivals. So it's not too soon to be looking ahead, I guess, at a really big one coming up in the Mountain State Derby. Yeah, I, I think from uh, just a fan perspective, even if uh, from a Mountaineer fan perspective, I should say, even if you're not a soccer fan, the men's soccer team is probably the team you want to watch this fall just because of their schedule. I mean, they they have a top 10 clash against Pitt, second game of the season. Now they're conference rivals with Marshall. That's an actual, you know, set in stone rivalry now. You, you know, usually it's just kind of a banter thing. You know, we have it during the TBT, the Heard That versus Best Virginia, but this is an actual, they're playing for championships now. They're playing each other That's for right. championships, and, and, and Marshall won the national title two years ago. They're a legit team, a force to be reckoned with. So uh, it, just an exciting, you know, set of teams. And, and not to mention, they have other teams that, that are in, in the Sun Belt as well, like Kentucky. That's a nice little rivalry. So, you know, Exciting, an exciting little slate for for the Mountaineers, for sure. So let's underscore the importance of the two matchups that Sam has just alluded to, the Mountain State Derby with Marshall and a border battle against the Kentucky Wildcats. When you take a look at the Sun Belt preseason poll, it's essentially a new league that has been built from scratch with a few pieces left over from the old Sun Belt, a few pieces brought from the MAC picking off a couple of other conferences. Remember that the Sun Belt went basically defunct in men's soccer, stopped sponsoring the sport for a period of two years, but now is back, is rebuilt, and is arguably better than ever. It's a league filled with unknowns, yes, but is already one that people who consider themselves to be in the know about college soccer, it's considered to be among the best leagues in college soccer, perhaps the most competitive one. We'll see at the end of this season uh, if there's some revisionist history there, but the excitement is extremely high at the onset for this new Sunbelt Conference. Here's the preseason coaches poll, which was released last week. West Virginia picked to win the conference with 75 points and five first place votes. It's now the second season in a row that West Virginia is picked to win its respective league. Last year, the Mountaineers, the MAC preseason favorite, did not win the conference, though, in the regular season or postseason. This year, picked to finish first in the Sun Belt. Then Marshall picked to finish second with three first place votes, followed by Kentucky with one first place vote, just six points separating West Virginia and Kentucky first and third in the Sun Belt preseason poll. And then according to the stats, the metrics used for this ranking, all nine coaches vote in the preseason poll. There appears to be a bit of a gap between the top three teams and the rest. South Carolina fourth, Coastal Carolina and James Madison tied for fifth, then Georgia State seventh, Old Dominion eighth, and Georgia Southern ninth. 
a lot of those teams West Virginia has familiarity with. Marshall played last year in non-conference. Kentucky, also a non-conference opponent last year. Coastal Carolina has been on the schedule in the last two or three years in non-conference play. And then, of course, Georgia State and Georgia Southern were both MAC members as recently as last year. So, Sam, it really has the makings of a competitive, fun-to-watch conference. Uh, but really, I guess we were talking about this before we started recording. One thing that I'm really interested in knowing about this Sunbelt Conference is will there be a style of play that sort of dictates the rest of the league or, or becomes the thing that the league is known for, right? You think back to Big East hoops, physical style of play. You think of Big 12 football when West Virginia joined the league a decade ago, high-octane offense and very little defense in those high-scoring affairs, right. right? I wonder if the Sun Belt will take on some sort of identity, even though there are nine different teams coming from essentially several different conferences and several different backgrounds that really probably don't adhere to any specific style of play at this point. I, I, I'm very interested to see that as well. And, you know, like you said, we have two MAC members joining the league as well, two former MAC members, I should say, joining the league as well. But one thing that we know about the gaffer, Dan Strafford, is he doesn't care what the style of that play is. That is very true, Sam. Playing. He likes to impress his style of play. He likes to, main, to dictate the tempo of the game his way, which is a very, not to get stereotypical, but Premier League style of play. High press, stout defense, steal goals when you can. Very, should I steal the term, press Virginia? Oh, okay. Okay. A little, not quite, I like it. I like it. Not quite that aggressive. We don't have a Javon Carter out there, but they like to high press, play aggressive, and, and dictate the tempo of the game. So, um, who knows? Will they be a disruptor or will they be, you know, part of the part of the um, league as, as it's set up? Well, I guess we'll find out. So West Virginia playing Marshall September 24th in its first Sunbelt Conference road contest. And then that match with Kentucky, also a big one to keep an eye out for. That's coming up September, October, Saturday, October 15th at Dick Delesque Soccer Stadium. One more note from the preseason announcements from the Sunbelt. Bjorn Thiessen, the German center back, a preseason all-sunbelt honoree. He's also on the United Soccer Coaches Defenders to Watch list, joining Mountaineer women's soccer player Jordan Brewster on that list. Both of them former All-Americans, and in their own respects, both of them the centerpieces of each of their respective teams. Thiessen had a successful summer with the Long Island Rough Riders, Riders in USL League 2 carried that team all the way to the championship game, has played a lot of off-season soccer. So uh, when we talked with Dan Stratford earlier this month, uh, Bjorn was catching a little bit of a break as he gets ready to get into a, a new season. But really, the might be the guy to watch. I realize he, he may not be the goal scorer, may not be the guy who is setting the highlight reels on fire, but is definitely, when it comes to maybe pro prospects, Thiessen seems like the top guy on this West Virginia team. Yeah, I mean, I, I mentioned the high press was a was a big asset to the team. That back line was one of the best in the country last year between Thiessen, Aaron Dengracia, and Kevin Morris. Obviously, Morris, um, he stuck around for his fifth season and has since left the program. He ran out of eligibility, didn't trans- transfer or anything like that. Dengracia is back um, alongside his fellow uh, German uh, Thiessen, but... Yeah, now Thiessen is one of those steady players, great passer from the back line, and and uh, huge asset to, to bring back. Now, I, I, I do have to say this, though. Now, it, it does seem fun to be a professional soccer player or, or a high-level soccer player, I guess I should say. But, man, do they play a lot. I mean, oh, my gosh. 
Yes. Played Saturday night. And Monday morning, he was here for the first day of, of training. Um, Tyson was. No break. No break at all. I mean, he was limited. Uh, he, when we were at practice the other day, he was um, riding the bike while everybody else was drilling. But, man, that seems like hell. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's true. Coach Stratford telling us that, really, Tyson has played 12 months out of the year. Played yeah. a fall schedule last year. Before that, remember, they played a spring season, the men's team did, a full spring season. Then had summer workouts, then played in the fall, uh, then played spring ball for West Virginia, and then jumped to the Long Island Rough Riders of USL League 2. So it has been nonstop for Tyson dating back to the spring of 2020, that COVID season. Uh, he really has not had a break. Uh, and so as Stratford told us, they're going to limit him a little bit during preseason to try to get him rested up, fit, and ready to go because he is such an important part of that back line. But you bring up that wonderful trio in the back for West Virginia in Dankrasia, Thiessen, and Morris. You know, One of the biggest uh, question marks for West Virginia, if you want to call it that, entering this season is who will replace Kevin Morris at that center back position, the third defensive position, because uh, Morris had been so steady for so many years for West Virginia, in fact, is the program's all-time leader in games played, uh, but now he's gone. And so who becomes that guy? Uh, it could be any number of solutions. Deion Dromers played some center back last year, uh, is, a, is a guy who can play both a defensive midfield position and a true center back position. When you look at the roster, to me, Sam, this is just my opinion, he seems like a guy that they need to have out there in some capacity, right? Like if you're talking yeah. about the best 11 players on the roster, Dion is one of those guys because of his abilities to, to assist West Virginia specifically on set pieces. He's a threat to win headers. He also has an absolute cannon of a boot and scored a magnificent goal last year from long range. Also has some ability as the set piece taker to score from a range of about 20, 25 yards. Um, so he has to be out there, whether it's a, a defensive position or in the midfield, that remains to be seen. A, a guy that could step in as a newcomer, he's a native of France and a true freshman. His name is Malo Blondo. And I'm not even going to try to say where he's from, by the way, because it, are you looking at this on the roster, Sam? Like, Les Adieux. Yeah, good, good try. Was that, good try. Was that good? So I tried to look up the pronunciation and literally could not find it anywhere, a correct pronunciation. Everything that I found was different. Let's just say that, right? And so it's almost as if either every dialect pronounces it differently or just simply no one knows how to say it correctly. So when I have an opportunity to interview Malo Blondo at some point this season, I'm going to ask him that just so we can have it for the record, how to pronounce uh, his, his, his hometown. Uh, so anyway, are you going to give us let's the give right here? All right, let's give this it a try. Is, right this here. is what my here computer says. Anticlimactic. Sam has his computer on mute. Do you have what? it on mute, no, Sam? No, I don't. You no, don't? Oh, we'll see. No one knows around. how to pronounce it. What not did even, I tell you? Not even the, not even the robots. <laughs> the robots don't even What know did I tell it. you? So wow. he could be a guy who steps in in that defensive role. Um, and maybe there's a possibility that Coach Stratford is going to change up his formation. Probably unlikely, if I had to guess. Uh, but West he Virginia, did that a little bit a last little bit, year, right. depending on the matchup. But I mean, when you're the number six team in the country, why would you change anything you're doing? Typically, right. line up uh, or at least start the game at a three-four-three, three, yeah. where those wing backs on on the uh, flanks can drop into a defensive shape when defending and can really push up to almost like a five attacker set with two midfielders uh, when they have the ball in the attacking third. It's a yeah. really fun style of play to watch, and they have executed it extremely well under Stratford over the last two years. So. That's one position battle that's unfolding right now. Will it be Dromers? Will it be Blondo? Will it be someone else to replace Kevin Morris? 
Then there's also the question of who replaces the second winningest goalkeeper of all time at WVU in Steven Tekeski. He shares second place in wins all times all time with assistant coach Nick Noble. Uh, to me, again, just reading the tea leaves here, uh, Jacob Castro, a redshirt senior, was named a co-captain of the team in the spring at the team's spring banquet, and it would appear that he is likely going to be the guy. Maybe not. We'll see. Yeah, let me let me use an example from the women's team. Maddie Murphy, I believe, is also a captain, and she's also not necessarily right. the That's presumptive very true, starter. Because you know? Massey has been the starter for the last year plus. Right? Exactly. And, you know, goalkeepers can provide a lot of uh, – leadership from the bench i mean that's kind of what their main obviously their main goal is to stop shots but their second 1a uh, of their responsibilities is to be a vocal leader right um and that's kind of one of the most important uh you know uh, aspects that dan's looking at when he's picking that starter but i mean really it's a four horse race as he said right and so open competition right it's an open competition um jacob castro right now dealing with some injuries so he's kind of have, has a little setback, as is Lorenzo Nunez, another returner. Um, but Jackson Lee just brought on from George Mason, got a lot of reps when we were there, as did Mark Bonaire. Um, and, and so it's, it's really tough to see, right. to say who's going to be the uh, starter come, come kickoff. One thing that Stratford did tell us, Sam, is that he wants to stick with one guy. That appears to be his philosophy. He wants to find the guy and roll with him. Does not want to have a situation where he's switching goalkeepers. Um, so it, that is, to me, that is the biggest, that is the biggest, uh, the thing that I'm most looking forward to seeing the result of that competition, really, when the Robert Morris match rolls around, because it's, it's very likely that the guy who starts that game is going to be the guy for West Virginia, barring injuries or some sort of setback this season. That's a pretty reasonable, you know, want when right. you've had the same guy for what, four years? <laughs> That's right. Years, yeah. So. Tekeski was such a steady force. Uh, as the goalkeeper for West Virginia for it's, so long. You'll, you'll sleep pretty well when you don't have to worry about a goalkeeper. Let's put it that way. It's the Golden Blue Nation podcast. We're presented by Pritt and Spano, West Virginia's lawyers, your WVLawfirm.com. Okay, so Sam, we've broken down some of the position battles. Who's going to be that extra defender? Who's going to be the starting goalkeeper? Let's look ahead now to the what in my opinion is the non-conference game and it's coming up in less than a week at this point it's number six West Virginia on the road at number seven Pitt this game isn't just important because it's the backyard brawl it's not just important because it's a top 10 showdown it's important because once again this is West Virginia's opportunity to make a massive statement right out of the gate, second game of the season. Last year, if you'll recall, Pitt came into WVU to Dick Dulesque Stadium, was the number three team in the nation, and was coming off a college cup appearance and got stunned by a then unranked and unknown West Virginia squad that, yeah, beat Marshall on the road to a national championship, so maybe it shouldn't have been such a surprise. Uh, Goals by Luke McCormick and Adam Burchill in that contest to give WVU a 2-1 backyard brawl victory. That was the game, to me, Sam, where Dan Stratford and the Mountaineers arrived. They weren't a top-10 team. They didn't establish themselves and complete that goal that Stratford had set for them at that point. But that's when you knew, okay, if these guys beat Pitt, you know, they are legit. And I think the same can be said about this matchup this year, right? Because Pitt is not only stacked, extremely good once again, but is nearly, nearly unbeatable on its home turf. Last two seasons, the Panthers under head coach Jay Vitovich are 17-1 and 
on their home turf. The lone loss coming in the regular season finale of ACC play last fall against Notre Dame. 17 straight victories up to that point over the course of two seasons. And note, no ties. No ties. So teams that play Pitt on the road, they don't get results. It's that simple. West Virginia could make a massive statement in that match, even by just getting a point, even by coming away with a draw. Of course, by winning, that would be a massive statement. But what I want to know from you, Sam, is this. When you look back at West Virginia last season, Mountaineers went eight wins, two draws, no losses through their first 10 matches. It's one of the best starts in program history, and it overall set the tone for what ended as a run to the national quarterfinals. You wrote a story about this uh, last week for GoldenBlueNation.com. Coach Stratford called that start a, quote, miracle, saying, how do we replicate something like that? We were playing tremendous soccer early on, and we were exceptional. Uh, How does West Virginia replicate a start like that when you have such a difficult non-conference slate followed by the unknowns of playing in a new conference in the Sun Belt. Let me borrow a phrase from Nikki Izzo Brown. You got to make the little things, you got to do the little things to make the big things happen, right? I mean, when you're playing a, when you're playing a team like Pitt on the road, they don't lose at home. You got to make sure all your passes are crisp. You got to make sure you're finishing your chances and you make sure you're, you're, you're keeping everybody out of the box as much as you can. You know, that's, I mean, that's, that's how they beat Pitt last year. They beat Pitt not because they were necessarily the better team per se. I mean, they were at that point, but they won because they were able to steal a goal and they were able to, to really just knock Pitt off balance because they were pressing them so mm-hmm. hard. Mm-hmm. And they set the tone so well that they, they were playing Penn State like three days later, made that game a complete footnote because they obviously they dominated the Nittany Lions, but everybody was thinking about the Pitt win because just how they were able to dominate it's such a, a strong squad. I mean, you and I were walking, or walking, we were driving back from Moon Township, Pennsylvania, after the season opener against Robert Morris, and I was watching and kind of dictating the game to you while you were driving, and I, I was just like, man, I don't, <laughs> I don't really feel great about this game coming up because these guys look pretty good, you know? And really, all, all you have to do is just hunker down and do the little things to make the big things happen. I mean, it, it's just making sure your passes are crisp, keep possession, and, and, and you know, finish your chances. When you, when you get a wild chance like WVU did against right. Pitt last season, make sure it ends up in the back of the net. So it's, it's very possible. It's, it's, this second game this season will be different than the, the backyard brawl last season. But nonetheless, it's going to be a winnable game. They just need to make sure they get get it done. Let's call it the brawl before the brawl. It's the same week as the football backyard brawl, three days in advance. And it's really, it may not be as highly anticipated as the football game. I get it. Not everyone is a soccer fan. But when it comes to the national landscape of college soccer, there won't be too many games bigger than this one in non-conference play anywhere in the country. West Virginia Pitt on Monday, August 29th is a huge one. 7 p.m. kick at Ambrose Urbanic Field in Pittsburgh. You can watch the game if you have ACC Network. And, of course, stick with our coverage, GoldenBlueNation.com. And on the free Golden Blue Nation app, we'll bring you complete coverage of both men's and women's soccer at West Virginia throughout the campaign. Oh, yeah, here's one more note. Do you know who likely is going to be Pitt's starting goalkeeper this season, Sam? Tell me, Nick. It is Joe Vandersar. Does that name ring a bell? That does. Actually, it does. Joe Vandersar is the son of Edwin Vandersar. 
Most notably, a former Manchester United goalkeeper also played a stint at Juventus Football Club, the greatest club in the history of mankind. Right, Sam? Yes, well, thank you for agreeing with me. Well, there's and one his, club that has a Scudetto on Yeah, right. Well, okay. How about 38 Juventus. of them? Anyway, uh, Edwin van der Sar, by the way, chief executive of, of, of Ajax, former Dutch professional player. Uh, Joe van der Sar did not play a game last year for Pitt. He's a senior this year. Uh, they had a guy named Nico Camputhano who played every game for Pitt last year, but have to imagine that Joe van der Sar is probably going to be the guy for Pitt this year, like just, just maybe based on reputation. I don't know what's drawing me to him. I've never seen him play live, but that that is super cool to me, right? That is super cool to me that that these guys from West Virginia are going to go up against the son of Edwin van der Sar, perhaps, in that game against Pitt. So just one more wrinkle that makes this upcoming matchup between West Virginia and the Panthers just a little bit more enticing. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, that's one of the cool things about that's really happening in college soccer is a lot of European talent, a lot of foreign talent, really, but, you know, European talent especially is starting to, you know, gradually come over to to the men's college soccer ranks. I mean, WVU's roster is pretty much all Europeans, um, which is which is a really... <laughs> As, when I was in school, you know that that wasn't really a thing. I wasn't in school that that much long that that long ago. Um, but it's kind of it's also kind of like the JUCO of, of of men's college soccer. You know what I mean? If, if obviously the the top recruits in the U.S. are going to the top programs, well, go over to the academies and take some talent from over there. So definitely a cool wrinkle heading into this this year. I believe the Mountaineers had 13 different nations represented on their roster last season. That appears to be the case again this year, a quick count. It's it's nearly a half and half split, 13 internationals, uh, and, and then the, the rest are uh, United States natives. Uh, but wow, just like what an eclectic mix of talent. You've got Finland, you've got Denmark, you've got Germany, you've got England, you've got Australia, New Zealand, and Tokyo, Japan, all represented on this year's West Virginia roster. And then, of course, you've got guys from Fairmont, West Virginia in Ike Swiger and Morgantown, West Virginia in Elijah Borneo and Jojo Biafora. So it's a really awesome mix of talent. And I think it sums up exactly your point, Sam, that that college soccer is becoming more and more diverse by the year and is attracting some really great talent, as we've seen unfold right in front of our eyes here in Morgantown. So let's wrap up this edition of the Golden Blue Nation podcast, brought to you by Pritt and Spano, West Virginia's lawyers, your WVLawfirm.com, with one more prediction. I made you, I put you on the spot for the women's soccer podcast, Sam. Would West Virginia place higher than third, which is where it was pegged in the preseason rankings? How about this for the men's soccer team in its first season in the Sun Belt? Does it win the Sun Belt crown or does it not win the Sun Belt crown? Mountaineers are picked to finish first in the league. I think they're going to prediction. I think they'll win the Sun Belt. Um, that's what I think. Okay. I can guarantee that the winner of the Sun Belt will come from the Mountain State. That's, I'm going to put that as a guarantee. There you go. Um, it's going to be West Virginia or Marshall. Um, but I mean, again, one of the biggest assets you can have in any college in any sport but really especially college sports because it's such a premium is experience and wvu pretty much they're what what is it eight or nine of their starters are coming back yes to eight, start. eight starters correct eight starters Palman as albelda is also this is the third other than kevin morris and yes. steven skeski um so you know the, they have such such great talent coming back that it's it's really tough to count them out in terms of a conference title because that's those are that's how you really you know sustain the the long grind of a of a conference season but then again you know Marshall and Kentucky are going to be their number one um, 
number one competition. Mm-hmm. And they both kind of gave WVU trouble last year when they played non-conference play. That's right. Who knows if, if, if it'll be different when, when they're playing for an actual title, but, you know, the, it's, it's, something to be, it's definitely going to be something to watch this season. West Virginia drew with Marshall 2-2 on the road last year, beat Marshall two years ago, 1-0 at home. Against Kentucky last season, Mountaineers and Wildcats went to overtime, uh, but the Wildcats won 1-0 yes. on a goal that just slipped right through to Keski's wickets. Uh, it was a close one, a great contest. So let me just clarify one little detail, though, Mr. Coniglio. Are you saying that the winner of the Mountain State Derby in September is the team that's going to win? The Sun Belt Conference title, not necessarily. Okay, that's, okay. Th- you're All connecting right. some dots. You're All right, well, some dots that's there. why I asked for clarification. One of the teams that plays in said Mountain State Derby will be the winner. <laughs> Fair enough, Sam. Always good to chat soccer with you, man. Appreciate your time. Yep, likewise. That's a wrap on this edition of the Golden Blue Nation podcast, brought to you by Pritt and Spano, West Virginia's lawyers. Your WVLawFirm.com. We remind you once again that West Virginia men's soccer opens a new campaign on Thursday against Robert Morris at home, Dick Delesque Soccer Stadium. It's a seven o'clock kick, and if you aren't going to come out to the game, you can watch it on ESPN+. As for this podcast, well, make sure you subscribe on your preferred podcast platform and leave us a review. If you like our show, that way you can, if you subscribe, you'll receive future episodes delivered right to you. Our football season preview is coming soon. You don't want to miss that. Speaking of football, Mountaineer Game Day makes its return to your TV screens on August 31st and September 1st. We're live from AccraShore Stadium Wednesday, August 31st at 7 p.m. and then live again September 1st from 4 to 6 on your local Nextstar station and AT&T Sportsnet Pittsburgh. Make sure you're tuned in and you start your game day with the Golden Blue Nation crew because win or lose for the Mountaineers, that game is going to be memorable. So you don't want to miss our pregame coverage. All right, that's enough from us. For Sam Caniglio, I'm Nick Farrell. This has been the Golden Blue Nation podcast. We'll talk to you again soon.